0: Hello and welcome once again to the ministry of let the bible speak.
1: We do thank you for joining us again and trust that God will bless your heart as you hear the word of God preached. Today's broadcast is the second part of a sermon on Isaiah 53 verse 1 and particularly that question who hath believed or report. It was preached in Northern Ireland at the beginning of the month. And it is my desire that it would be an encouragement to those who can hear uh, this broadcast. Today you'll hear the reading of Isaiah 52 into chapter 53, and then a very brief synopsis of the first point on our responsibility that covers the message that was broadcast last Lord's Day. The theme of the message is that of being faithful in the context of rejection. We live in days when the gospel is generally being rejected by those who hear it. How do we as a church respond? Well, we are called of God to be faithful. And and so it is my desire that this message will help us to that end. You see, our responsibility is to bring the report of the gospel without in any way diminishing its solemnity and its power We realize that the gospel is given to us by the Lord, and we are required to announce the events of the gospel. We are required to explain those events, and then to plead with the hearers that they would respond properly to the demands of the gospel. The Lord tells us to repent and believe the gospel, but sadly many come to reject it. And today we go on to consider what we must do in light of such rejection. May God again be pleased to bless and use His word in each of your hearts today. Well, let's turn in the scriptures to Isaiah 52. I'm going to read from the verse number one of Isaiah 52, and we'll read down into the beginning of chapter 53. This is the word of the Lord Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion and put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust, arise, and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money." For thus saith the Lord God, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful! Upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, and with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord." For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel shall be your reward. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them, shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed or report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Amen. Let's take a time to pray, to seek God's face together, to come around the Word today. May God be pleased to bless his Word to each and every heart. My text for this morning is the words of the words of verse number 1 of chapter 53, that opening question, Who hath believed or report? The subject matter is this, faithfulness, In the face of unbelief, are you determined to be faithful in the face of widespread unbelief? Well, first of all, I've got to remind you about your responsibility to bring a report. Unbelief does not absolve you of your solemn responsibility before God to bring the report. Verse 1 of chapter 53, of course, is an obvious statement. It serves as a bridge Connecting the previous to what is going to follow. And it does so with this word, report. Who hath believed or reports? The word itself means something that has been heard. That's what it means in the original something that's been heard. In other words, it is an announcement. I can't take the time to go into all the details of the previous chapters, but you get the idea of captivity and restoration. Ultimately, because of the New Testament, coming to fulfillment in the coming of Christ Jesus. And so you get the report in chapter 53— or sorry, 52, verse number 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Now, keep on your finger in Isaiah 53. Turn across to Romans chapter 10. You see, in Romans chapter 10, as Paul says, Deals with rejection in Jewish hearers of his gospel, he uses Isaiah 52 and 53 to underscore what's happening in his own ministry. Uh, Romans 10, verse number 15, again, you'll see here the language taken from Isaiah 52, verse 7. It says here, verse number 15, "'How shall they preach except they be sent?' As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's chapter 53—52, sorry. And then what happens next in verse number 16? But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report— And so, whilst there's significant application to the initial receivers in captivity of Isaiah's prophecy, there's clearly a gospel application as verse 7 of chapter 52 deals with the gospel of peace, and then verse 16 of Romans 10 telling us that's the same good news that is the report in verse 1 of chapter 53. I'm sure you see that connection. It's very obvious, isn't it? So the report in chapter 53 is the good tidings mentioned in chapter 52, verse number 7. And so really, Isaiah's report becomes our report. Who hath believed our report? He's not the only one preaching the gospel. His fellow prophets did, and we must do so today as those who continue that gospel evangelical legacy— the report of the Messiah. Jesus Christ the Lord belongs to all the prophets, the apostles, and those who preach apostolic truth. When Peter is preaching to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he draws again this link between the old and the new. As he announces Jesus to Cornelius, he says to Cornelius, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name— whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. He's connecting the old and the new. The gospel that Peter preaches is the same gospel that Isaiah preached. But as you think of this report, the very word surely presupposes our responsibility. Something heard. Therefore, what's the obvious? Something spoken. If this report is heard, that implies that that same report has been spoken, it's been communicated to hearers. It's to announce the good news regarding Christ and his person and his work. And again, I want to think broadly here. I want to go beyond the preacher. I want to go beyond the Sabbath school teacher, the outreach worker, to family and parents and and all of us. We all have this shared responsibility, as long as Christ tarries and we live, we have a shared responsibility to announce the good news, the report of the gospel. That's something regarding our responsibility. But secondly, I think we should also be prepared to face rejection— so you've got this responsibility to give the report, but you've also got to be prepared to face rejection. Now, I believe with all of my heart that the gospel is powerful unto salvation, that every soul who's saved is saved by the power of God, and God works. But we also know in the Lord's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount that straight is the gate and narrow is the way which lead them to life, and there be few that find it. Who hath believed or report is, let me put it this way, it's a lament of the prophet facing the rejection of the message. I believe these words come with emotion. Who hath believed or report? You say, we know this. You say, well, how how does this talk about rejection? It's just a question. How how can you see rejection in that question? That's that's not fair. Well, if you turn to John chapter 12— You will see very clearly that this text denotes rejection. John 12 and verse number 37. Again, John's commentary here on the Lord's ministry, it says here, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Not the saying. Of Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed or report? The unbelief of the hearers of Christ's ministry, of those who saw his miracles, their unbelief is the fulfilment of Isaiah fifty-three verse one. Paul said the same thing. I'll just read to you again the words in Romans chapter ten. Again, we didn't point out that first time, but Romans ten, and the verse number. 16, For they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed or report? And so the question arises in the setting of widespread rejection of the gospel message. I've said already, unbelief is the typical response. Praise God, in history, there have been times of unusual blessing, like Ephesus, Acts 19, So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. Those times have come to this province in the past and across the world at different junctures in history. There's been times when the Word has prospered and prevailed. But ordinarily we find ourselves faced with unbelief and apathy. As a Scottish preacher, Durham, has written a very large work on Isaiah 53, many, many sermons on the the chapter— in Sermon number 10, he gives some reasons why so few believe. Now, I'm going to read these nine reasons without going into much detail, and I think you'll see they're very, very familiar. Reason one, not being greatly concerned about one's salvation. Why did they not believe? Because they couldn't care. Number two, not looking upon this Word as the Word of God's. Just unbelief about like the word. The word comes truth, but they, they, won't re- they won't accept it. Number three, folks never considering their hazardous condition. They live their lives presuming that tomorrow is going to come every single time. Four, the love of money and the world. You can't love the world and money and love Christ at the same time. Can't do it. Five, Folks, little prize in the gospel and its benefits. Six, shifting of convictions of conscience. And that's this idea you you feel guilty and you very quickly blame somebody else. Pass it around so you, you keep dumbing down the sense of guilt for your sin. You do everything you can to make sure you don't feel guilty before God. Seven, stopping in the progress of believing without solid ground to rest upon. It's a complicated one, but the idea there is you come to church. You settle settle your conscience by coming to church, by going through religious rituals, but you've never got to the point where you say, Jesus is my Lord and God. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good man, uh, and church is all well and good, but they never get to the point of trusting in Christ Jesus. Eight, the commendation of men. That preacher made you feel guilty on Sunday night? Sure, you're not that bad— You do this, you do that, you do the other thing, and there's a hindrance of believing the gospel. Number nine, folks sitting down on the means of grace when they have them, resting upon their baptism, resting upon some confirmation experience, whatever it may be, and they fail to come and believe the gospel. We all meet with this, don't we? I think all of us can say in recent times, who hath believed or report? can't you? So what do we do? Well, I think at least implied here is a considering of the response. The very question implies that the prophet gave consideration to the response of the hearers. Now, in the Lord's work, you're often told, just be faithful. Leave the results up to the Lord. That's not your job. You be faithful. You sow the seed, water the seed. It's the Lord that gives the increase. Hallelujah, that's true if that's not true, we're all finished. But we should not imply from that that we are not interested in the response, that we're careless regarding the response of the hearers. We should, as preachers, go home on a Sunday evening and wonder who hath believed or report. Sabbath school teachers— You should go home to lunch on a Sunday afternoon and wonder and ask yourself the question, who hath believed your report? Outreach workers, every door you knocked, who hath believed your report? And parents, with your children around your knees, who hath believed your report? We should consider the response. And we should be concerned about the response. We should care about the response. Acknowledging God's sovereignty in salvation is a tremendous comfort. The Lord shows mercy upon whom he shows mercy. But we should never be cold-hearted regarding those who reject the gospel. I say this is a lament. Who hath believed or report? It echoes the Lord's own testimony— the Psalm 81 My people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Or the Lord, Mark chapter 5, he looks around on them with anger, being grieved at the hardness of their hearts. If we can look unbelief in the face and not be grieved, we are not Christ like in that area. Unbelief should grieve us, it should cause our hearts to break. As we see souls rejecting the gospel, of course, the Lord, looking upon Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would have gathered thy children, and ye would not. The Savior weeping over the unbelief of his people coming unto his own, and his own receiving him not. We should care about unbelief. As we consider the response, we should be concerned about that same response— for the honor of Christ. If you're a Christian today, do you know what you're telling people? I love Christ above everything else. He's first in my life. He's above family and friends and fortune. He's got first place. He's a fairest of 10,000 to my soul. And you You present your faithful friend, your Christ, your Savior, you present him to an unbeliever, and they reject the message of the gospel. You love him. They reject him. Your desire for Christ's honor should break your heart at their unbelief, their own personal loss. We do believe this Bible, don't we? And it tells us now, those who die in their sins without Christ go to a, a sinner's hell. They go to a lost eternity and are there forever without hope. Unbelief and rejection of the gospel is that sinner taking one more step in their stubborn determination to go to a lost eternity. We should care about the response, shouldn't we? Even for our own personal joy. Paul could speak of his joy in the Philippians, that he had not run or laboured in vain. He saw their faith, he saw their witness, and it rejoiced his soul. Even for our own joy, there is the burden to care about the response. And so, we carry our responsibility. We carry a privilege. It's an honour, a privilege to bring the gospel to lost souls. And yet, with that comes the burden of facing up to their rejection of the gospel. So what are we to do? Faithfulness in facing unbelief requires that we are responsible to bring the report, that we are prepared for the rejection of that report. And then finally, and very, very briefly, that we conduct our ministry by looking to the Lord. If you're in Isaiah 53, verse 1, you'll see that it begins with the word, "'Who?' who hath believed or report when you go across to Romans chapter 10 and paul gives the sense and the quotation from Isaiah 53 the verse reads this way for isaiah said lord who hath believed or report see the difference paul is telling us that isaiah 53 verse 1 is really in the form of for prayer that as the prophet considers the rejection of the message, he takes that to the Lord. You know, when you serve personally and your family in the church, remember who you're serving under. Isaiah knew that. Here am I, send me. He understood in his commission that his his duty was to serve the Lord. And, you know, when, when you serve someone in that sense, in obedience, you bring your report of your work and your service to them. You do it in work. You're told, go and do this job. You finish it. You go back and say, it's done. It's done well. And, and you, you, you tell your boss what's happened. Well, we do the same to the Lord. We go back to the Lord and say, Lord, who hath believed our report? today, I sought to bring the gospel to to three or four souls, and they all rejected it. Lord, who had believed our reports? There's that prayerfulness of serving under the authority of our King and our Lord, who cares for us. You're not serving your elders or your minister, your denomination or your church. You're serving Christ, who shed his blood— for your soul, who proved himself to be committed to your well-being, and therefore, in the grief of your heart, when you're met with rejection, you go to one who loves you and cares for you, and you go, Lord, who hath believed or reports? He cares. And he is the only one who can turn unbelief into faith. Look at our text again. Who hath believed, or report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? There are parallels. In considering rejection, there is also the implied understanding that not all reject the gospel, and those who don't reject the gospel, they are those to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed. You see, when you labor church, home, or personally, and you're met with rejection, that is not the end of the story. It's not a case of you hear it once, and you reject it, and you never get to hear it again. If that was a case for many, many of us, we would not be here today, would we? God, in His grace, brought the gospel to us several times— Oh, yes, we always live in the reality that today may be your last time. This may well be your last time. But still, as we seek to be faithful to Christ, we are faithful in the understanding that he alone is the one who can reveal his glorious, mighty arm in their hearts, that they come to see Christ as being worthy of their trust and their allegiance. Those who do believe, they do so by the power of God's grace— Hence, as we face ministry in days of unbelief, we must be faithful, and as we are faithful, we must do so continually in the attitude of prayer. Your Sabbath school children, they go into the summertime, and they're not saved. You leave them with the Lord. The only hope they have is that the Lord saves them. Your children, perhaps some of you have children, adult children, and they've heard the gospel and they've rejected the gospel and you go with tears, Lord, who hath believed our report? Only the Lord can turn their unbelief into faith. Elders, ministers, outreach workers, only God can bring fruitfulness from your labors. But he can do it. And he does. And so we pray on.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610 993 3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.